You're listening to a North Valley Church podcast. Thanks so much for joining. For more information and resources, you can visit us online at northvalley.org. You know, uh, if you're here because uh, somebody bribed you with lunch, if you showed up, I'm sorry. You know, we got a long way to go yet, you know, but uh, I'm so glad you're here. And, you know, I say this a lot, but it's really true. You could not have picked a better Sunday to be here at North Valley. So I am so glad that you're here. And we're going we're gonna to have some fun. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at... Uh, uh, different kind of things that I wanted to talk on and so on. And I'm talking with Ryan. I said, you know, my, my wife and I, every year we, we read through the Bible, okay? And so January we started and, and, and we're in, in the book of Genesis, duh, you know. And we came across that familiar portion of Scripture where God blesses Abraham. You know, in Genesis chapter 12, and, 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 and he's blessed to be a blessing to other nations. And, and I just, that, that just stuck with me. And as Janet and I are talking about it and so on, I thought, you know, that's exactly the kind of thing, the kind of message that I need to hear. Maybe it's something you need to hear as well. And it's this whole idea of blessing other people and, and what's involved in blessing other people. You know, I, I'll tell you what, most of us who live here we tend to have this, this uh, assumption that, that, you know, I have a right to all these blessings, you know, that are, that are going on in my life and so on. You know, this is not to, for any of us to feel guilty. I just thought, yeah, I'm going to give you some, some, some statistics here to kind of look at, kind of put everything in perspective, okay? And if you have food in your refrigerator, and I don't because I've eaten it all, but if you have food in your refrigerator and, and you have clothes on your back and you have a roof overhead and you have a place to sleep, you are richer than 75% of people in the globe, Kind of interesting, huh? Think about this. If you have any money in the bank, if you have money in your wallet, if you have some spare change in a dish on your dresser, you're the top 8% of the world's wealthy. Okay, again, it's not a guilty kind of thing. It's just kind of put our lives in perspective right here, you know, in, in, in Phoenix. If you've never experienced danger of battle, loneliness of imprisonment, agony of torture, pain of starvation, you're already ahead of 500 million people who've experienced all those things on a regular basis. Or how about this last one? If you can attend a worship service like we are right here, right now, without fear of harassment, without fear of torture or arrest, you are more blessed than three billion people on the planet because what we're doing right here is illegal for three billion people. Men and women, we are blessed. I mean, we are blessed so deeply. But I believe that God doesn't bless us to feel good. He blesses us so that we can help others. He blesses us so that we can bless other people. And just let it ooze out. So, what am I going to talk about? How do we bless people? There are a lot of different ways we could go, but I decided, how do I bless people with my words? How can you and I bless people deeply, significantly, with our words. We can bless people with our money. Yeah, yeah, great. Very important. We can bless people with our service. Yeah, absolutely. But 
how do we bless people with our words? In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 11 says this, and I, I love this. Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is destroyed. In other words, you and I have a choice when we talk to people. We have a choice in our interaction and our communication with people. With our mouth, we can either build up or we can tear down. With our words, we can either develop or we can destroy. With our words, we can help and heal or we can hurt and harm. It's your choice. It's my choice. And we choose this every day that we interact with people. God wants all of us to use our mouths as instruments to bless other people. So, what I want to do today, and I want you to follow me and take some notes and so on, okay? I want to look at five ways. Hopefully, we'll get all five. For those of you who are kind of anal retentive and so on, if I only get to four, it's going to destroy you. But I'm going to do my best to get to five, okay? We're going to go through that five ways that we can bless people by how we talk to them. You with me? Yeah, I'm with you, Bob. Okay, here we go. Hey, by the way, you may not know this. Do you know how many words there are in the English language? <laughs> yes, I knew somebody would say yes, you know. Okay, 800,000 words in the English language. You know how many words we use every day? Five. <laughs> 5,000. Do you know how many words men use? 800. True. That's a factoid. You, know, you can bank on that. So anyway, here, this first of the five is pretty self-evident, okay? So I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here, but write it down. You and I bless others when we show respect in our words. Okay, this might be a duh, of course. But here's the reason that I'm motivated here. This world right now is filled with rudeness. This world is filled, our society, it's, it's at an all-time high. Just being polite to people, respecting other people, blesses them. Now again, this is self-evident. Every one of us say, hey, this is not new information for me. The problem is, we can know it and not let it really filter out in our words and our actions and so on. Listen to what Titus, Paul is talking to this dude named Titus. And in Titus chapter 3, verse 2, Paul talking, okay? He says that believers are, quote, speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. That's the NIV. Just being nice blesses people. Guys, the church here is right next to I-17. <laughs> You're on it all the time. So am I. And I'll tell you, there are a lot of people driving out there that just don't get this. Now, what I'm going to ask after each one of these points, that's why I'm glad you're taking notes either on your phone or writing it down. I'm going to ask you to write down a name. Write down a name for each of these five points. Because let's make it personal. What's one person that I can bless by showing respect to them? 
So when you leave here today, hopefully you're going to have five names that God has brought to your thinking. This is how I'm going to apply this message today. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17, show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers, fear God, and honor the emperor. Now we'll not talk about the emperor right now, but you know, honor the emperor. You know, who are you going to meet this week that you can show respect? Somebody at the store, somebody at the gas station, somebody at, at school, somebody in your own home, somebody who's a distant relative. I don't know who it is. But the Bible here says to treat all people with respect and dignity. Wouldn't it be something that the people of God just are raised up to do something that this society does not do naturally? Think of somebody right now that you're going to show courtesy to this week. Okay? You have two seconds. Write down the name right now. Come on. Write it down. And if you don't want to write it down, just fake it like you're writing it down so your neighbor <laughs> thinks you're doing it. Okay? Got it? I'm looking around. Put your hand up when you're done. No, don't, don't do that. Secondly, oh, I, I see that, Peyton. Secondly, you bless others when you offer mercy and forgiveness. First one is respect. Here's the second one. You bless others when you offer mercy and forgiveness. The truth is we all stumble. The truth is we all sin. The truth is we all blow it on a regular basis. We make mistakes. We're imperfect. So we need massive doses of mercy in our lives. And since we're all imperfect, offering forgiveness may be the most common way for you and I to bless someone. Because we're all in the same camp. We're, we're all this way. When people around you make a mistake at work, school, home, what do you do? Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7, I love this. I love this. Paul is writing to this church in Corinth. Hey, before we even give you this verse, think about this. Here's a little factoid. Paul writes to the Corinthian church. And the first letter that he writes, there's some dude in the church who's shacking up with his mother-in-law and all the people in the church know it and they're not doing anything about it. It's crazy. And Paul says in the first letter, deal with it, guys. Discipline the dude. He's making a stain on the name of Christ. And that's what they do. They discipline the dude the way they should. Matthew 18. It's really cool. You know, read the story. It's, it's there. But now this next letter, 2 Corinthians, by chapter 2, he says, whoa, 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 whoa. The discipline worked. The discipline worked. Yay, he's okay. Now let's bring him back in the fellowship and love on the dude. You know, that's the purpose of discipline. It's not punishment. For goodness sakes. We get that all crazy. It's so that a person might understand, whoa, God has a standard. He wants me to live up to it, right? And he does. He accepts it. And now, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7, and he's talking about the dude who did this terrible sin. And this is what he says. Now instead, 
you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. Yes. Sometimes <laughs> we're just plain mean. And we don't understand how this mercy and forgiveness thing works. What is it that you do after people make a mistake that makes a difference in their lives? Do you write them off? Do you put them on the blacklist forever to be on it? Do you hold a grudge against them? I'm not going to associate with you anymore. I don't care what you do. Or do you do as the Bible says here, comfort, forgive them so they don't go into despair? Did you know that mercy is an attitude of God? It's one of the attributes of God. In fact, over a hundred times in the Old Testament alone, it says these three words, God is merciful. A hundred times in the Old Testament. And if you're going to be Christ-like, then it seems to me that you and I need to learn to grow in this area of compassion, forgiveness. And mercy. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, God is rich in, finish it with me, mercy. That was kind of weak. God is rich in, mercy. Oh, you're so good. Now, here's the cool part. There's only one way to learn mercy. You got to get hurt. <laughs> I wish there was another way. The way you and I learn mercy is by being hurt. That's the only way you learn it. You, you see, if nobody ever hurts you, you're never going to have to forgive anybody. You're never going to have to forgive anybody. You're never going to learn to be Christ-like. So God has allowed some pain. God is allowing some hurt, some difficulties in your life, and in many ways, so that you and I might learn to express mercy to others. Mercy is treating others just like God has been treating you. Oh, this gets good. And you wonder why I get so excited. It's not the coffee. <laughs> it, it, it's God's Word. Mercy is treating people just the way that God treats them. You're never going to have to forgive anybody more than God has already forgiven you. You're never going to have to forgive anybody more than God has forgiven me. It just makes sense. Remember Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. This is, by the way, different kind of sermons. You know that, right? There's ones that take a portion of Scripture and then we dissect it and go through it and, 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 and look at it that way. And then there are topical messages like this one where we take verses from all over the place. You might say, oh, I like those expository ones. You know, we take one passage and dissect it. Do you know that every sermon in the Bible, every sermon in the Bible, including Jesus, was topical? <laughs> they never took a passage from the Old Testament and dissected it up. I'm not saying we don't do that. I, that's what I do. That's my first place. But sometimes people say, oh, topical, you're pulling a verse here and pulling a verse there. I'm very careful to make sure that I pull it in the right way, in the right context. Just a little factoid. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Paul's talking to the, these churches 
in, in three different cities, we call it Colossians, but there are actually three cities. It was like the tri-city area. And in verse 13, he says, Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Every time you and I get hurt, every time, from an ex-spouse, from a friend, from a family member, every time you and I have a choice, I got a choice. Am I, use my, am I going to use my energy for retaliation or am I going to use my energy for reconciliation? I have a choice. You have a choice. But you don't have the energy to do both. Neither do I. You get to choose. In fact, this whole message is about you and I getting to choose. God says, you want to bless people, Bob? Well, when they blow it, when they make mistakes, when they hurt you, show mercy. I've shown mercy to you. I want you to show mercy to them. And I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you to develop a reputation in your life. A reputation that wherever you work, that you are known as the person who shows mercy. I don't think Christians should be known for what we're against. They're against this. Oh, that Christian's against that. I think we should be known for what we're for. And one of the things that we're for is mercy. Wow. He's the most forgiving person at school. The most forgiving person at the office. She's the most merciful person at our worksite. Did you know that Job was famous for his mercy? You think of the book of Job like I do probably. You know, here's this horrendous suffering that he's going through. Absolutely true. But he had a friend named Eliphaz. And Eliphaz said this about Job in Job chapter 4, verse 4. He's talking about Job. He says, your words have supported those who stumbled. You have strengthened faltering knees. Oh, isn't that beautiful? That's poetic. It's po- You've strengthened faltering knees. As a pastor, I tell you, I'm keenly aware of the power of words. You can build people up, you can tear them down, and when someone makes a mistake, when someone blows it, don't rub it in. Rub it out. Don't rub it in. Rub it out. Help them focus on what's left, not what's lost. Because every time, this is interesting, when people blow it, they always lose something. Something happens in a relationship, they lose the sweetness of the relationship. They always lose something. We always do when we blow it. That's the nature of sin. Those people need mercy. And it's one of the ways you can bless people. By the way, some of you have a hard time doing this. And I think it might be because you may 
not know the difference between forgiveness and trust. Okay, lean into this one, because this is... We are called as followers of Jesus to forgive people immediately. Boom! Forgive them immediately. That's what we're called to do. In fact, we don't have an option. It said over and over and over again. Old and New Testament. It is, is just crazy how often it's said. But, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, you have to forgive them, but that doesn't mean that you continue to let them do what they're doing. For instance, if you're in a home situation and somebody's been hurting you, even abusing you, believe it or not, the Bible says to forgive them. But you don't have to let them continue to abuse. You get out of a situation. You call in others. All of that. But trust is different. Trust is built over time with a track record. You earn trust. Forgiveness is a grace. Trust is earned. And that's what people misunderstand. When a respectable Christian blows it and, and so on, you know, we'll say, just let him go. Shouldn't he be forgiven? Shouldn't she be forgiven? Absolutely, yes. Forgiveness is immediate. It's demanded. It's instant. But trust has to be rebuilt over time. To forgive someone doesn't mean there aren't consequences for their action. Jeff, somebody going 100 miles an hour down I-17. Andy pulls him over. And they say, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize I was going 100 miles an hour. Will you forgive me? Andy, you'll say, well, absolutely. Here's your ticket. There are consequences to our actions. Therefore, that's the difference between forgiveness and mercy and trust, which is earned. With me? Make sense? So what's the secret of mercy? Learn their background. (laughs) I've had a hard time forgiving that person. But when you learn their background, you may find out something. Whoa! Whoa! You may say, look how far they have to go. But mercy might say, look how far they've come. When you and I, maybe we've come to know Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. But when I made that decision in college, I was already living a pretty good life. I was a pretty nice guy most of the time. Why are you laughing at that? <laughs> yeah, I was, most of the time, I was, I was a pretty good guy. Hey, people liked me. Hey, things are good. And then I came to know Christ. Things are still good. And I'm still a pretty nice guy. And I'm growing. And I'm hopefully becoming nicer, better. I'm growing. But then there's some who come to know Christ out of addiction. Maybe some of you came to know Christ out of abuse and out of difficulty and out of poverty, out of 
pain out of a, out of a drug situation and home, and, and it was awful, and there was beating, and there was all these terrible things, and somehow they come to that place, and they cross the line, and they become a follower of Jesus Christ. But they've never known joy and happiness like I did. Everything is new. I started here, and I'm hopefully growing in Christ here. But when I get to know somebody's background, I may find out they started here, and they've moved up to here. Oh my goodness, that's incredible. All of a sudden, I can show mercy here. Because I'm not saying, look how far you got to go. I can say, look at how far you've come. Boy, that's good. Doesn't that fire you up? That fires me up. Homework fires me up, but that's another thing. Let me give you a third thing. You bless others when you express compassion. When you and I are compassionate people, we bless people. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with, say it, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. The Bible gives us this picture. We are to weep with those who weep. We are to rejoice with those who rejoice. It is a good picture of what compassion means. Compassion says, I get what your heart is going through at this moment. I get you. I understand you. Wow, that's powerful. Because there are two great needs in people's lives. You have it, I have it, every human being has it. Number one need here is to be understood. This idea like, wow, he gets me. She gets me. Wow. Somebody else understands me. Compassion says, I understand what you're going through right now. I'm not crying with you. I'm weeping with you. Or I understand what you're going through right now, and I'm, I'm just rejoicing like crazy. You know, there's a little thing. It's not in my notes. I love being here at North Valley because I just feel like I can just do anything here. You know, just to say all sorts. You know what is one of these pet peeves? Somebody gets a new car. Somebody gets a brand new car. Stinking, beautiful hybrid or whatever, okay? <laughs> and we say, oh, man, that's so great. And we walk away from it and say, oh, I wish I were here. Where did he get the money for that? And all that. You know what I love doing? When you get blessed a whole lot, I love coming alongside you. That's awesome. Whoa, look at my friend over here. Look what God has done in their life. Sometimes we just take the opposite. Compassion says, man, I get you, man, and that's awesome. And I'm rejoicing with you in this moment. Or you're going through some deep weeds. And you sit down and say, oh my goodness, I get it, I understand, you're hurting, I don't even know what to do, I'm going to sit down with you, I'm going to cry with you, 
Compassion says, first of all, I'm understood. Secondly, you know what it does? It tells that person <laughs> they're not so strange. <laughs> I, I think it's a need in people's lives. You know, it's this idea. Everybody has these feelings. You have them, I have them. You know, cannot tell you the times that I've looked across at somebody else as a pastor and said, I said these words, everybody at one time or another feels that way. And I can see the, oh, you mean I'm not the only one? I'm not the only one who's going through this. I'm not the only one who's experiencing this. That's what compassion does. It says you're understood and you're not strange. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 says, Carry each other's burdens. And in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And very simply, you know what the law of Christ is? It's found in John chapter 13. To love one another, even as I have loved you, that you love one another. By this all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. That is the law of Christ. You know, I have to admit, I don't often say the wrong thing. I say nothing. Again, I, I just got I just gotta tell you. I've been at the bedside, I've been in the hospital with a whole lot of people, so have you, where they got a really bad diagnosis. And you would think that every friend out of every nook and cranny would come flocking to their bedside. Oh man, I'm with you, man. How can I pray? And blah 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 and all those kind of things. Do you that very often the opposite happens. Because people don't know what to do. You know, what am I going to say to them? Hey, how are you feeling? Well, I'm dying. Thank you for asking. No. One of the hardest things for you and I to do sometimes is to get up, to go over, to sit down, to cry with, to do something instead of doing nothing. How many of you have ever been through a time of doubt as a believer? Raise your hand. Those that raised your hand, thank you. Those that didn't, liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> because just about everybody I know has had those seasons in your life. So what do you do when somebody is really struggling with their own faith? Compassion moves us to do what's found in Job chapter 6, verse 14. Anyone who withholds kindness from a friend forsakes the fear of the Almighty. If you have a friend that is basically saying, I'm forsaking God, I'm giving up on God because of what is happening in my life, what do they need? They need a friend. They don't need you to turn your back on them. They need a friend. They need to hear the words of compassion from you. <clears throat> there are circumstances that we go through where we're just not sure if we believe in God because of what you're going through. Let's just say it. The elephant in the room. It's true. You're beaten down by life. You hear that a, a, your child is going to be born with birth defects. 
You wonder, God, where are you? Your husband, your wife has just walked out on you. You feel like God has walked out on you. You feel like, how could he let this happen? You get a report from the doctor this week, and, and they say cancer. You wonder where God is in all of that. In that moment, you need a word of compassion. You need a friend. You need somebody like that to come on alongside. You remember the story in the Old Testament of the Tower of Babel? I call it Babel. It's a Tower of Babel. I think it was pronounced Babel. That's just me. <laughs> Big building project. We're going to reach God, right? You know, they were really prideful, right? Okay, oh, we're going to reach God. Kind of a dumb thing, but oh, we're going to reach God and build this big building and all those kind of things. You know, when God wanted to, to kind of take that whole project away, he didn't use weapons. He didn't use hammers. He didn't use anything but words. And destroyed the project. You can use them to build you can use them to tear down. They can hurt a child's heart. They can shatter a husband's dreams. They can crush a wife's self-image. Wow. Who is it this week, write the name down, that you're going to show compassion to? Hey, I understand. Or at least I'm trying to understand. And you're not the only one. Here's a fourth one. You bless others when you speak honestly. In other words, that means you talk about a problem rather than not talk about it. And if you're serious about blessing other people, you have to care enough to tell the truth, even when it's painful, even when it's inconvenient, even when you'd rather ignore the problem and sweep it under the rug. You do it because you value the person in that relationship. And I've talked to tons of people. I've discovered that most people, even married couples, have nobody in their life who loves them enough to tell the truth. We have a new president of the organization I'm with, Missions Door. Brand new president. We had a retreat here in January. We got everybody together, and he says, hey, we have a, we have a rule here now. All the, the executive leadership here are all together. And so we have a new rule. And I call it the spaghetti on the tie rule. Love us enough. Love me enough as a president. Let's love one another as enough to say, hey, 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 hey. You don't have a tie. You got spaghetti on your tie. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Years ago. Oh, man. How come we don't have enough time? Okay, years ago, okay? I'm sharing ministry with a dude. We're at McDonald's, okay? And back in that day, I didn't just have a goatee. I had a full beard, okay? And it was a good beard. <laughs> and I'm sharing ministry you know, with this guy, we, we both eat a Big Mac or something, you know, and, and then I got a half hour sharing with a guy, you know, man, ministry is great and God's doing this and all these kind of things like that. And I happened to turn, see my reflection on the glass. I got half of the Mac hanging in my beard and this guy didn't say a word. You know, when we speak honestly with people, that's a very loving thing to do. If we want to bless people with our words, let's, let's get past this. Say there's spaghetti on the tie when there is. Healthy relationships are built on honesty. How about Proverbs 24, verse 26? An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. Yes. I love that. Ephesians tells us to speak the truth 
in a spirit of love. And we all need that because every one of us in this room has blind spots to our weaknesses. And we need that. Galatians 6.1 says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch out yourselves so you also may be tempted. And that verse says, you should restore that person. Take the initiative. And you say, why don't we do it? Because we say, that's none of my business. That phrase, none of that my business, comes from the pit of hell, as far as I'm concerned. Because we're a community of believers who love each other, who care about each other. At least we should be. So that means it is my business if I care. Because there's a word when I don't do it, and that word is apathy. Proverbs 28, verse 23, whoever rebukes a person will (laughs) will in the end gain favor rather than the one who has a flattering tongue. Now, you need to know this. Nobody appreciates it at first, okay? When my wife, Janet, and she's going to be here for the second service, so I may not say this. (laughs) When my wife says something, hey, honey, i got to be honest with you. I'm just waiting for the shoe to drop. Because not one of us in this room says, oh, man, come on, be critical of me. But those who really love you, they'll tell you when there's spaghetti on the tie. My wife does. Those who are close to you should do the same thing. Okay, I'll give you the last one just for those that have to fill in the blanks. (laughs) Number five, you bless others when you affirm them expectantly. Listen to this. This is really important. We're going to bless people. Here's a principle. We tend to live up to what other people expect of us. This was the whole point of the blessing in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, listen, you you know this. As you walk through the Old Testament, here are the greats in the Bible, right? And they bestowed a blessing on their kids, and especially their firstborn. It's you as a parent saying, hey son, hey daughter, I believe some big things are happening and for you in your life. I can just imagine what God is going to do through you. Oh, son, daughter, fantastic. My daughter, my my son, my son-in-law are are here. (laughs) If I don't do it enough, I'm going to do it right now publicly. Oh, how God has blessed. What a a beautiful picture in their life of a family of passing the baton and doing it right. Oh, fills my heart. If you haven't done that, you need to do that. You need to do it with people that are really struggling. Hey, wait, 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 wait. Don't give up hope. I believe God has something big for you, great for you. Now, this is not some kind of name it, claim it stuff. It's not. It's simply an understanding of the blessing of God. It was one of those privileges in the Old Testament, and it carries on to the New Testament, to bless others. On Christmas Eve, I got a note on Messenger. Usually if you get a note on Messenger, you know, through Facebook, that means they don't have your your phone number. But they get a hold of you and stuff, and I got a note 
from a guy. He said, hey, sorry, I missed you at the service. And, and like North Valley, a church, uh, another church up in Anthem, had several, you know, three or four services and so on. So, sorry, I missed you. I thought you were going to be at this thing. And I hadn't seen the guy for years. I said, no, no, I'm coming to the next service. And so he decided to come to the next service because he wanted to see me. It turns out this is a guy that when he was kind of in college and stuff, trying to figure things out, decided to go into the military. And on the day of induction, I don't know why, I just showed up. Just to say, hey, you know, pray for you, man. See you later. I was with him this long. He came, after the second service, he came to me and he said, I want you to know, that moment made all the difference in my life. What? I was there two seconds. No, you have no idea. Nobody else showed up but my family and you. He went on to become, you know, go through the military, have a great career and stuff. He was a guard at Florence, one of the prisons there. And now he's an investigator and a, de de uh, a detective with, with an agency right now. That's the blessing. That's the blessing that you and I have an opportunity to do. So who are you going to bless this week? Who are you going to bless this week? I hope you have five names of people that you're going to follow up on and you're going to bless them in one of those five ways. Now, thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to support North Valley Church by partnering with us through giving, you can do so by visiting us online at northvalley.org. Thanks and have a great day.